Hey community, welcome to our sermon podcast for wanderers, seekers, and thinkers, for deconstructing and reconstructing. This is a feed of Open Door Church, a faith community focused on God's love and grace, a progressive church built around action, community, and people. Enjoy this week's message and check back often as we're posting new content every week. The church owes the world an apology, and this is one of those, because, uh, because we have not at all responded to mental health struggles or mental illness in a healthy way, in productive ways, and, uh, and so on that long list of things that we owe the world an apology for, this is, this is certainly one of them. And uh, to be frank, it's not, I mean, it's, it's improving. It's improving, but the general response that Christians have to to struggles with mental health and uh, it is sometimes appalling and damaging and harmful. And so, uh, so part of the purpose of this series is to end the video, which which um, which we will share, like I said, next week, and include with that uh, some extra interview time. So it's not just me next week. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have others with me. But all that aside, part of it is to reduce stigma around mental health, uh, struggles and mental illness. And, and one of the problems that we have is that we don't talk about it. One of the problems that we have is that, uh, is that when we do talk about it, we tie it up in a bow at the end and talk about, everything that God did to make everything better. And so we have a really hard time talking, like being in the weeds sort of, or in the trenches and talking about mental health in a way that, that allows people to be themselves, uh, to not shame them for having a lack of faith, to, uh, to not call it, uh, yeah, we do all kinds of things with this. Anyway. So that's where we're coming from. So the church's response needs to be both healthier, it needs to be open, and, and in a lot of ways, not this is, this is one, like I said, we apologize for a lot of things here, but this is one of many that stigma specifically prevents us from talking about it in healthy ways. It prevents people from healing. It prevents, uh, it prevents us from, uh, working through, uh, struggles. When we can't talk about it, uh, we have to put on the, the big happy smile to come to church so that everything's fine and nobody knows any better. And how's you, how are you doing? Oh, great. Oh, yeah. Everything's wonderful, right? That's our, that's our go-to sort of this is how we have to be in the church. And it's funny because we actually have a wealth of Scripture that should give us the permission to not put on that happy face every day. So, let's read the Psalms. Because that's what you're supposed to do when, uh, when you're depressed, right? Go read the Psalms, everything will be better. To be honest, do you know how hard it is to find information about others thinking on mental health and the Bible and church? Like, it's very difficult. People aren't talking about Still, in 2019, people don't want to talk about it. And, uh, there's so many articles. It just keeps. 
going page after page after page of articles. Six psalms you have to read when you're struggling to get out of bed. Five verses that will tell you the power of God to help you feel better about yourself. Like it just, honestly, it goes on and on and on. So we're going to read some psalms because that's what you do. Uh, so I just want to do a bit of an introduction today. Uh, it's just sort of as, an, as an, a lay of the next four weeks. Uh, the things that we want to do. One is we want to acknowledge that, uh, that me- everyone struggles with mental health. And, uh, and Christians struggle with men- good Christians, faithful people struggle with mental health. And in talking about it, we, we hope to reduce stigma and, and are able to have conversations and be open about where we are and, and where we're at and things like that. And then, and then secondly, I want to help produce a, a healthier, a proper, healthy response so that we can sort of get past the patent Christian stuff of, oh, you know, you just need to get out. You gotta go to church. You gotta pray. If you, if you will just pray, I'm telling you, God will do wondrous things in your life. I'm sorry to be sarcastic about that, but come on. These are the responses that we give people when, when, yeah, this is it. The not, the last thing I, I hope to do with this is to ask the question, because I think there's two sides of this. How can, how does faith hinder our mental health? Which, we're probably not supposed to ask out loud. And on the flip side of that, how can faith support and help us? So we're not all negative. There's, we want to do some positive in terms of our faith and mental health. And what, and what can, what can we, uh, what can we do to sort of give ourselves that, uh, those boosts that, that are needed and things like that. So does that sound okay? Are those three good things? That's the plan. So. We're going to open up Psalm 88. You ready? I'll warn you, this is, in my Bible, it is titled, A Prayer for Help in Despondency. But I don't know if that's what's happening here. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to read a bit. I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, this guy, Walter Brueggemann, who I talk too much about, uh, but I feel like you can't talk about the Psalms without talking about Walter Brueggemann, which we've actually done before. Uh, you, can listen, you can listen on our app or somewhere. Google? I don't know. O oh Lord, God of my salvation, when at night I cry out in your presence, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to shale. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like those who have no help, like those forsaken among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark, and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Like, that's not really a prayer for help yet, right? You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a thing of horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call on you, O Lord. I 
spread out my hands to you. Do you, do you work wonders for the dead? Do the shades rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your saving help in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry out to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me, wretched and close to death from my youth up? I suffer your terrors. I am desperate. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dread assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. From all sides, they close in on me. You have caused friend and neighbor to shun me. My companion is the darkness. That's the end. I don't, that's not the script, that's not on the list of psalms you're supposed to read. (laughs) I just wanted to name that. But I think that's a problem. I think it's a problem that, that here in this extremely dark moment for the author to tell this story, to complain in, in the deepest, darkest way to God, saying, where are you? Don't you, don't you do this kind of thing? Don't you lift people up? Don't you help those that are, that are downtrodden? Where are you? I'm alone. My Nate, my friends, my family, everyone is gone. Only the darkness is my companion. You see, we don't give ourselves space for that. And when we're in that space, our immediate response is to read other passages to say, oh, God's going to lift everything up and fix everything. God is wonderful. Everything is wonderful. The world is right just as it should be. God is in control. Nothing is out of sorts. Even though you feel like garbage, nothing is out of sorts. I promise everything is fine. Just, just get up and, and go out into the world because everything is good. That's the psalm that we want to read. But our scripture gives us this rich, beautiful language to, to suffer together. And we never, ever choose to do that. There's a certain amount of fear involved in that. Because we've been telling ourselves and we've been telling each other that if, if you are, if if you are off, if something is wrong, uh, if you're not feeling 100%, or if you don't have that smile on your face, then there is a problem, and we have to fix it immediately. But Scripture gives us these, this language, this beauty, to, to actually allow ourselves to sit in that place and, and just be. It's really difficult, I'll be honest with you. It's really difficult to just be in that place and to read and have someone suffer with you. But that's exactly what Psalm 88 is intended to do. That's its purpose. That's when it should be read. Unfortunately, we skip it, and it's not included on that article, and it's not said, go read. Brueggemann has this extremely helpful way to look at the Psalms. 
for Brueggemann, the Psalms, uh, we have, so we have these uh, of lament, of complaining, uh, of both personal. So this is extremely personal. Other lament Psalms are communal, as in, God, everything is coming crashing down on our community, on the world around us. Nothing is right in its place. Where are you? And then we have, uh, so, so Brueggemann calls this disorientation. Uh, those are psalms that essentially express this moment of disorientation, this, this understanding that's broken in the world and, and you don't know what's going on or why. Everything that, that you've been told about who God is and how the world is supposed to work is, is broken. Um, the wrong people are winning, the right people are losing, everything is off. And that's what this is about. And then there's these psalms of uh, orientation that everything is good. Everything is right. Uh, the author praises God for being in control. The world looks as it should. Everyone is, is on the right page and on the right path. Uh, the wrong people are, or, well, the right people are losing and the, uh, whatever. Flip the last one, right? Everything is right and, and, and good is winning and evil is losing. And then there's this moment in between when you're shifting, when you're, when you're taking that world of disorientation where nothing makes sense and you're reorienting to, to turning the cube, the Rubik cube or whatever to, to get things into their right place and you can see the shift of reorientation happening. Often we only want to read those powerful moments that tell us that everything is right with the world. And when you come into church, we want to see the happy smiles on everyone's faces and, and we want to hear the stories of orientation, those stories where everything is good and God is working properly. And if you don't have that story, you just say, oh yeah, everything's good. And you move on. And there's this uh, unspoken rule that we don't press into that question, right? This is encouraging the stigma, not addressing and talking about and living through mental health questions and struggles in life because we, we just pass it off. On top of that, when we do hear it, we want that quick answer that can, can solve the problem. And I've got four Psalms for you that tell you exactly how to solve the problem that you're experiencing right now. And then next week, you can come with a smile back on your face. That's the world of church. And that's not our experience. That's the world of church, but that's not our experience. And so sometimes, so as we talk about uh, mental health, we, in, this, in this story, we could be talking about anything from those normal, everyday ups and downs, right? Uh, some days things are good. The next day, uh, all the kids are screaming and uh, everything's gone wrong and you've forgotten about the meeting and you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and nothing works out and you're just down, right? Or we can read deeper into this and talk about the, the struggles of depression, clinical depression, anxiety, of mental health struggles that go beyond the, oh, I'm just going through my everyday motions, right? 
And often those are the ones that are most difficult for us to respond to because we don't necessarily understand them. Many of us have been through those moments and there's instances of understanding, right? But we all go through those differently and in our own ways. And for someone to tell you this is how you get out of it is patronizing and frustrating and annoying and not fun. So these are things we get to talk about in a real, honest, open way. And in those situations, we typically... No, that's not fair. It's too generalized, right? One church is going to tell you one thing, another church is going to tell you is going to respond completely different. But often the church has been averse to real counseling, real psychological help, real psychiatry, and have said things that encourage us to seek only spiritual ways to heal ourselves, right? So you pray, you read your Bible, uh, you go to a Christian counselor, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? I'm going to a counselor. Oh, is it a Christian counselor? Not in, nothing against that. I'm just saying we, we have these expectations that we're going to solve our problems through a religious means and they are literal chemical imbalances in our body that we have to seek different professional. I'll call myself a professional. I'm not that professional. I'm not that kind of professional. We need proper professional help and, and we, we stigmatize that conversation and push people away from getting the help that they need so that we can maintain our own religious ideologies. And it's those that are the most difficult. Now, here's the hard thing about this. Aside from the Psalms, which are excellent at giving us the beauty of the range of emotions that that humanity experiences, aside from that, it is very difficult to read through our scriptures and go, oh, here's Jesus responding to a mental health crisis, and, uh, and this is what we're supposed to do. They didn't understand the world that we do. They didn't know it. And so, uh, you know, to not be too controversial, I think at times we read something about a demonic possession and go, huh, that sounds a whole lot like, uh, you know, this or that. Those symptoms, uh, I think if I was experiencing that, I might call it not demonic possession, but this or that, right? That's how I read it. And sometimes, so, so here we are, we're looking at potentially a mental health crisis in the text that is interpreted as a demonic possession. And now we're supposed to interpret it something differently when we see it in person. I'm just saying it's complicated, right? Outside of the Psalms, understanding mental health through our scriptures is complicated. And it lends itself to the spiritualization of our, of our mental health struggles and, and, uh, and illnesses. Not that that's exciting or news to you. It just makes it difficult. And so we have a long tradition of the church saying, no, you don't need professional help. No, you don't need a counselor. No, we don't need to talk about this. Uh, go pray. Go read. Hang out with church people because they'll help you. And all of that leads to stronger stigma and, and more internalized. 
What I love about this Psalm 88 is this identification of being alone. You have caused friend and neighbor to shun me. Only the darkness is my companion. And often we feel or experience that. And when we create this place where we can't talk about it in church, where we can't tell people that we're struggling when we're here on Sunday morning, when we can't call a friend and say, hey, this is how things are going, I really could use this or that. When we prevent those conversations from having happening, we increase the isolation and the loneliness and the stigma. And it is this vicious cycle of darkness when we can't talk about it. So step one, we have to be able to talk about it. We have to be able to acknowledge that, that this is part of all of us, that this is part of every community, Christian or otherwise, and the world isn't fixed and made perfect just because your faith is in order. Let's close with a prayer and then, uh, <laughs> this is super depressing. And I'm sorry, but I feel like that's okay from time to time. And, uh, and we should be able to be in that space and read Psalm 88 without some happy, perfect conclusion because life doesn't work that way. And our mental uh, ups and downs doesn't work that way. In fact, uh, this is not my graphic. I um, borrowed this le- legitimately. Not, this is not plucked off of, uh, off of Google image search. But, um, but the graphic was actually rewired uh, with this hint toward a solution or uh, a solved wiring of the brain. And that's problematic because Psalm 88 gives us this space to not be fixed before we continue. And the church often doesn't give us space to just be here in Psalm 88. We have to move quickly onto the next psalm so that we can feel better and everything's right again. But that's not the experience that we actually go through. And when we make it seem that way, again, further fuels that cycle of stigma and isolation and darkness. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Open Door Church. Our intro and outro music was created by Lee Rosevere and is used under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Have a great week. Ask the hard questions and explore God's love. Everyone is always welcome to join the journey with us at Open Door. Learn more at opendoorfamily.ca. That's opendoorfamily.ca.